All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Nation. Today we're doing a special episode, but first I would like to introduce you to some of my friends. Aaron Wright, uh, a.k.a. The Major. And Raul. So what we're going to talk about this episode is about the military. Some people don't, don't really like to talk about it. Some people do. But what's special about these guys that I brought along, one of them was actually in the military. The other one was in J-O-R-T-C. Mm-hmm. So these guys have some experience in just, well, just being in the military. So one of the questions I want to ask you, Major, because yeah. you were the one who was in the military. Yes. How did you end up choosing that path? How did you end up going into the military? Okay. Where I'm from in the city of Chicago, violence was at an all-time high at the time while I was in high school. And people who looked like they had something going for themselves were being recruited by gangs in the city of Chicago. So my mother thought that uh, it would be in my best interest first to have left to go to another state. Then I managed to finagle my way back to Chicago because I didn't want to go to another state to graduate. And then um, my mother found my dad who was already in the service and uh, talked him into talking to me about signing up to enlist in the Marine Corps for six years, as a matter of fact. For six years? Six years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Raul, how did you, what was, <clears throat> what made, what gave you the decision to join JORTC? And the school I went to, you have to, to join because it was a magnet school, so you had to do JRTC. Also, it wasn't. It, it was mandatory. It was mandatory. Also, it was an option. Okay. It was not enough. But uh, even though it was not enough, it was not enough. I would say I joined because I like it because of the discipline that it brings to the table. It brings um, it help you with your character. It helps you work as a team, be a leader. That is stuff that I like. You know that kind of reminds me a bit of football. Um, you kind of learn the same. Skill set, but it's definitely not to the level that you guys learned it. You guys were actually in the military. Yeah, this was more of a this was a bigger situation than just football. Football is just for the fame. Military, uh, it, it's about serving your country. It's definitely you don't really th- get that fame that uh, you get in football. So I definitely have a ton of respect for you, Major, and even you, um, Raúl. I know you didn't go into it, but you were you got to experience that, um, Major. I want to ask you. So like. What was one of your favorite memories just being in the military? <laughs> oh God, you have a shit up, don't you? Yes, you have a yeah, there, there's, there's. Oh gosh, that that would take up. I, I have, I have one for you. All right, uh, let's hear it. I have, uh, for some reason or another, while I was there, I had learned how to mimic the drill instructors from different platoons. Oh God, and in the <laughs> in the process. I could make people lock up or could make them do goofy things because they honestly thought that their drill instructor was actually on them and I could actually be standing at a distance and when they recognize from looking out the corner of the eye that they don't see him or see the drill instructor in particular and they realize that it was me. Oh yeah. So I was yeah, yeah. I I yeah, I was a clown. I I gosh, dude, there's so many. And just on boot camp alone there's enough to be able to just tell you about episodes because the Marine Corps has the longest um, boot camp. And then also remember, too, 
you can go into other branches of service. But if you go into the Marine Corps, you'd have to go through their boot camp. Now, if you go in the Marine Corps boot camp and go to someone else's branch, you don't have to serve. But for what you asked me about in terms of just fond memories of something funny, yeah, that's that's what comes to mind. That's one of the first ones? Yes. You don't have, you got anything else in particular that you remember? Um, something funny. Now, some things I share with you intimately. I, I just I, something that you can share <laughs> with our listeners because uh, I know there's some things you don't want to share. Oh God. I know, trust me. Uh, yeah, I know. No, no, we've no, talked, no. we've talked, we've talked. Um, damn. keep it. Uh, Keep, keep it work friendly. Work let's friendly. Keep it, let's yeah. try to keep it work. Well, I mean, it, it, it's well, yeah, okay. Um, then on the when we would go to the rifle range, we would learn uh, about becoming a marksman and how to hit a target. But we had a, a PMI who is like the a drill instructor who teaches specifically shooting on the range that like to hear jokes. And I don't know how I knew this, but I, from being a practical joker in high school, I always had a joke for my drill instructor. So they gave everybody a chance to, you know, be funny or say something that they thought that was funny. And I just saw this as just a golden moment. And I learned that the more I told those jokes, the better it kind of made my situation in boot camp. Because... <laughs> It actually made other people laugh. And everyone was listening to hear what was funny at the time. Now, of course, damn, how long has it been? I went in the Marine Corps in 81. Jesus Christ. Yeah, hey. don't start. Don't, don't start. Don't <laughs> start. Been- yeah, no, what do you say? Major. That's why I, la- I laugh about that. Major General. Yeah, I've been in long enough that I, I would have been uh, not a major, but yeah, okay. I give yeah, you yeah, 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 you're right. Right, right, you're right. right. Yeah. But it, it, the instillment <laughs> of, of the military, yeah, the, the idea of... Um, Telling jokes helped to pass the time, and it kind of took the edge off of some guys being homesick, and it helped in the spirit of everybody, you know, kind of going or striving for the same thing, to to bond with the people that you're uh, around every day, all day and night, and at the same time, too, towards the goal of attempting to protect and defend. You don't know anything about that because you're a kid, but you go in with the spirit of attempting to try to do your best. So, yeah. Yeah. To answer your question. What was, what was, I guess, what were you thinking about that first day? That first day you arrived to boot camp? Boot camp. Yeah. What were you, what was it going through your mindset? What were you thinking of? Okay, I could tell you exactly. Because I'm pretty sure... You will remember that. I was, More than any other day, I'm pretty sure that's the one that you remember. I was being a coach. I still remember. I mean, all the days are, you know, fond remembrances, you know, good and bad. Um, however, my first day, I remember having gone through, well, you had to spend a night in a hotel before everybody came together to get on the plane. Well, first you had to take a physical. Then after the physical, then you were told where you were going to go to uh, serve your time for a boot camp. And I had a choice between going to Paris Island, South Carolina, or going to Camp Pendleton, California. And I wanted to be on the sunny side. So um, I had... Oh, so you chose California, yeah, I didn't chose you? Cali- oh, oh was, baby, I just, yeah. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I didn't want to pass up the opportunity. So <clears throat> I went uh, during the, the years of the, the decade of decadence, and that was the, that was the 80s, definitely the 80s. 
And then the um, first day, put you on a plane. You kind of laughing and joking with guys. What do you think this is going to be? And I hear this and I've heard stories about that. But then I was also giving backstories about never volunteer for anything and always be observant and always going with the spirit of I can. And those three things were my tools. But in the process, I can remember I had a lot of hair. I had an afro. Matter of fact, I have to show it to you in my uh, one of my well, books. Yeah, a lot of hair. Yeah, I had man, I had an afro. And uh, <laughs> this guy, man, dude, that. when I got on, when I got on, I, you know, I had a lot of body. I could rock my head, and my hair would bounce. I mean, I next thing I know, the drill instructor stepped on that bus and started yelling at us. At first, he started staring at us, and you could hear a pin drop. And he said that he wanted all of us as stinky bitches to get off his Marine Corps bus. And we had two minutes. Man, we were running off <laughs> each other. And I was kind of getting the joy out of it because I'm already a practical joker. The next thing you know it, guys started berating people. The drill instructor was berating people all throughout. The next thing you know, he, as he did, he shut up and he had us to stand in this line. And told us to keep our mouths shut. And to get in line, and there were these barber chairs that were there. And I can remember there was another guy that was standing next to me that was a redhead, and he had an afro just as big as mine. And I remember him getting in the chair, and he went before me, and he was telling the barber that he just just take a little bit off the sides, you know, that I could put a cap on. And I remember that damn barber sheared him like a damn sheep in less than 30 seconds and pushed him out the chair, and the dude was crying with a handful of hair. And some people were laughing. <laughs> and I thought it was funny, too, until he cut my hair. <laughs> then it wasn't funny. I was pissed the whole rest of the night, man. <laughs> they had you some damn clothes that don't fit. Well, they asked you what size you are and this and that. And they give you a pair, two pair of boots. And they give you a duffel bag. And they give you uh, trousers and all your stuff that you had on in terms of clothing. They have you put in a brown bag, a shopping bag. So your tennis shoes, your socks, your underwear, everything. They have you strip right there. And next thing you know it, they have you put on these clothes. And you, you smell like like they've been in a box for whatever for so long. And the next thing you know it, man, you're, you're it's like being born again or something like that. But the in terms of fond remembrances, yeah, that's the first night. That was the first night you have just... I got there late at night. Let me see. I left to catch the plane at about 6. Uh, that's uh, 6 o'clock out of Chicago, which is the same time as here in Dallas. Got to uh, Pendleton two and a half hours later. So we had to go through the time zone. So you had to go through Mountain and then get to Pacific. It was already dark. And by the time I looked at my watch... It was 10.30 back here at home, but it was 8.30 there. But by the time they let us get to bed from getting all our gear and everything together and not giving us a chance to go through it, they gave us somewhere to stay. After wait, They gave, cut your hair. They gave you, uh, had you take off your field strip, your clothing. They issued you what you needed for, for basics, gave you a bag, and then they set up for you to be able to have somewhere to oh. They gave you your sleeping arrangements and uh, your gear to be able to, to make your bed. Some guys didn't know how to make a bed. So, oh, man, it was 
it was funny to watch others that didn't have any. <laughs> I was saying you enjoyed watching them struggle. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when it was my turn, it wasn't <laughs> as funny, you know. But again, yeah, yeah. Came back to bite you in the ass. Huh? Yeah. Well, you know, again, you said let's keep this. What kind of friend? <laughs> yeah, okay, right, right. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was memorable, and I, I would recommend it to anybody, man. Definitely. Raul, how was your experience in JORTC? Like, first day. Do you remember your first day? My first day was basically they told me basic marching and how to do an about face, left face, salute, march, and stuff like that. But uh, I went to summer camp. I can tell you about that. Yeah. So I went to summer camp. It was basically like um, a week. Basically, it was basic training. Basically, how you... Give you the environment how you will live in. You will live in on base stuff like that. You had to follow the same rules. And I remember the first day we got there around twelve. The bus driver said, "I don't know why you're signing on here. <laughs> 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 you're going to hell." So I see him the next week. So right over there, he hit me. And the the drill instruction came. I said, "Get the bus." Sorry. Forming on the on a squad, not squad, and platoon, mm-hmm. and the platoon came. The platoon leader came and started giving some orders, and it was funny because I remember, and uh, he was testing to see if we know how to march or the basic command, and I remember <laughs> he says, "Platoon, salute." And I, instead of saluting with my right hand, I saluted with my left hand. Oh, you hand. screwed up there. Because <laughs> I was so nervous. <laughs> he told me, and he called my last name. Asensio, what are you doing? I don't know, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous. Looking all spastic, yeah, I hear you. And then I, when I realized um, that I saluted with the wrong hand, it was like a minute later. So, yeah. Oh, wow. you messed up there. I messed up. You messed up big time. <laughs> Yes, but it was funny. It was fun. I love new, me- new people, new cadets. For you, what was your best memory of being an R.O.T.C.? Um, yeah. yeah, R.O.T.C. My best memory was when I became an ETSO, Executive Officer. Basically, I was in charge. I was in second in command. Uh, so I had to lead a battalion. I, rem- I remember this because I, it was my last year as a ROTC, uh, I had to march in my battalion that have helped grow. And I marched downtown Dallas in one of the parades. Oh, that's, that's And cool. um, I was marching with the, with the color guard. So I was the, I was the rifleman, so I was, I was leading the color guard. And it was, it was fun because I see from when I was a private into when I was a cadet major, the change that I evolved and everything. So, like, you were you were just glad to be a part of everything? Yes. Okay. Major. Hmm. I know for a damn fact there was at least one day that something bad happened to you. That you it, was, it was just the worst day for you in the Army. And or the at least one of them. Yeah, the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what was it? If you don't mind sharing with us. Worst team. day. Yeah, worst day. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay, so Everyone, you have a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, no, 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 not a lot. But everybody's entitled to one bad day. Yeah, everybody's entitled to one bad day. So I woke up one morning while in, uh, I, I, I'd like to keep it simple and just say basic training as opposed to going into the fleet. 
But while in basic training, I woke up one morning and I just wasn't feeling being in the military. I just so you just wanted to like just drop and go. No, well, not drop and go, but just you just not that day. So okay, so there's a phrase that we have back home, and it's called having an ass. And having an ass is when you you just wake up cantankerous. Nothing fits. Nothing. You don't want to look at anybody. You don't want to talk to anybody. You're taking your time. You're grumpy. You didn't get enough rest. You know, you're, you're, you're sorting the day out, and the day hadn't even started yet. So the drill instructor had everybody jump up to get dressed. And I managed to get up, but I just seemed to not be going at the same pace as everyone else. And I just didn't care. I just, I had no get up, giddy up go about myself. And a platoon leader, Maples, guy's father owns the, uh, or he's a chief editor for the San Francisco Chronicle. Probably not now, but I remember he was back then. I remember Maples just said, he saw that I just couldn't get it together. Maples had got himself together earlier than I did. And uh, and tried to encourage me. Come on, right man. Come on, get it together. Get it together. And I was like, Maples, leave me alone, man. I, I don't want to be bothered. He was like, Maples, if you, you know, Maples said to me, you know, right. If you don't get it together, man, we're all gonna suffer. And I'm like, you know what? To hell with all this. Don't worry about it. So the next thing you know, the drilling started. Managed to get everybody up and out and down on the parade deck so that we could actually go to chow. And I was still trying to get dressed. And the next thing I knew. Drill instructor was yelling down and talking about people. And finally, I was kind of getting a little momentum about myself. I just really looked disheveled and just unkept that that morning. And I realized that I was out there bad. But I figured once I get down on the deck, I'll have had myself together that I can be arrested. Function. But the only problem that I had was the drill instructor was still upstairs and yelling at everybody. No one had left me, and I had a chance to hurry up and get down the stairs and get in line that no one would have noticed me, you know, not being in formation with everyone. And I could feel Maples thinking about me, like, as if to think, where's right? Man, I hope right doesn't get in any trouble. So the next thing I knew, once I tried to get down those stairs, yeah, the drill instructor was <laughs> yelling at everyone, and I swear I thought this man had eyes in the back of his head. I knew I was creeping behind him. And I remember he <laughs> realized that I was behind him. He was on the second, uh, yeah, he was on the second deck and yelling down uh, to the grinder. And he remembered him saying, oh, fucking Wright wants to take his sweet fucking time getting down those damn stairs <laughs> and falling into formation like the rest of everybody. Oh, you all are going to pay for this. Thank you, Private Wright. And you can hear everyone say Thank you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt that. And you could tell no one wanted to suffer anymore. I mean, it was already the early, was it? It's already 0550. No, no. It's about 0520 hours because we, we work up for Reveille at 5. So you guys were up early. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> no. Every man, all you hear is. Dun, 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 and you know. <laughs> I don't care what you, <laughs> man. Oh my god, to hear it now has me spat. Oh my god. So anyway, next thing I know, when the drill instructor said that, all of a sudden he just decided to unleash on me, and he said, "As you were," in other words, to the rest of the platoon, 
And he grabbed me in my chest and said, come here, motherfucker. <laughs> and when he grabbed me, he was shaking me to the left and right. So I've got a M16 on my shoulder, strapped. I've got my boots all unbuttoned. I, my my buttons on my my, my uh on my uh on my jacket were buttoned up the wrong way. I mean, I had three up and three down. Oh, I was all jacked up. My helmet wasn't strapped on appropriately, and the man was just jerking me around. And all I could do was just bounce with whatever direction he was going. And he was bouncing me off the walls. And he finally took me up in uh, the area where we hang up our uh, M16s overnight. And he called that the whiskey locker. And he threw me, when he got me in that room, he threw me against the wall. And when he did, my reaction coming from the city is to defend yourself. And I remember when he threw me on that wall, I remember I started taking off my helmet. I sat that M16 down. I felt tears running down my eyes because I knew I'm getting ready to beat this man to death. <laughs> and he took his uh, DI cover off and took his tongue and started rolling it on the inside of his cheek. Like, if you're going to strike me, hit me right here. Because in other words, after you hit me, you're going straight to the brig. And when I came to that realization, all I could do was just stand there and shake my fists. And don't you know, he told me to go on out there and get in line and in formation, which I did. But when graduation had come at the end of our regiment, I think it's what we have, 12 weeks? I think it's 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like Marine 12 weeks. Yeah. After it was over, he apologized and told him no hard feelings. And all I could do is stand there and look at him. And we smiled at each other. Never seen that man another day in his life, or my life, but... Uh, what he was trying to do was get me prepared for what was to happen. So when you saw that deal with the full metal jacket, yeah, you know, <laughs> that that was during war. So when I had gone, I had gone during peacetime. Well, it, we, we hadn't been called to war yet, but uh, we were looking at Iran seriously because they had taken the embassy over. That's what caused me to go into service. That was that was your first deployment? That, that, proper, that propaganda, yeah, is what caused me to register to become a part of the military, aside from... The idea of getting off the streets. So, yeah. Bro, what was your worst memory? I'm, I'm going to assume it was just uh, the one you talked about earlier with you. Uh, my worst memory, my worst memory. Hmm. Gotta hear this. Oh, yeah, I need to hear this. Come on. Mm -hmm. what, what was it? So, basically, uh, we had to do grading shit. So, basically, we had to go as a professor, was a grade, because... We take one of each other. So if somebody's failing, we go help him boost the grades. We we don't leave a person behind. Remember? Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> it was one time that I submitted my grade, but the teacher, I remember, it was my math teacher, make it seem like I changed the grade from a 70 to a 90. <laughs> so he did that on purpose. So basically to see what I'm going to do, mm -hmm. what they're going to do to me. So I, me, I didn't pay attention. I submitted it to the instructor. So he saw my grade and he started yelling at me because he thought I did bad. Because over there, basically, B is good, C's are bad. Like, you cannot get no C's. So pretty much you had to be an A, B student. Mm -hmm. See, you were failing. Yes. <clears throat> 
So he thought I change it just to avoid getting yelled. So I've been yelled at. I didn't do it. I got I got an idea, and I no, you change it. Don't lie to me. And he thought no, no sir, I didn't do. I did not change it. You can ask the teacher, sir. I will ask the teacher. <laughs> and I like you can ask it. And then we found out that the teacher just did it just a practical joke. But that's the only time that I got yelled out in ROTC. So that was probably the worst thing you've Yes, because you don't want to get yelled by a drill instructor. <laughs> that's the last thing you want to do. I, I, I'm pretty sure Major had a lot of experiences yeah. with that. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> oh, didn't I? Oh, didn't I? Oh, I'm pretty sure those are you can't say, though. I'm but the beauty <laughs> of it is it helped to build character for not just myself, but also for those who were trying to find their way that uh, were fresh out of the house who lived uh, how, um, sheltered lives and uh, people who were giving redemption because there was a time during the Vietnam War that if you were set up to actually go to jail, you had a, the judge sometimes would give you that option to get out the streets to actually ask you if you were around in time uh, during the draft. Yeah. Yeah, what branch of service you wanted to go into. So, uh, so some were given the options to completely change their lives. Yes, sort of. yes, 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 yes. I knew guys who were in college who had joined, and I remember guys who were from backwoods, Egypt somewhere, from out of some, you know, all they knew were barns and cows. And you had guys who were street smart. And the one thing I learned out uh, the hard way in Marine, in the Marine Corps was that it was an 85% Southern white. And Southern whites have an issue with inner city blacks. And their argument is that they have too much mouth and they don't know their place. So that kind of made for some interesting years. <laughs> I wouldn't think those were those were good times, but uh, yeah, yeah, you took them every day, one day at a time. But at the end of the day, if something were to go down, yeah, y'all got your back like you got mine. We'll we'll handle our business when we get home, but in the streets, yeah, we're gonna make this happen, whatever it is, good or bad. So out there, you guys are brothers, but after that, yeah, it's uh, personal business. Yeah, you stay. You, let me tell you something. I don't know if I ever told you this mm-hmm. or not. I had a guy named Polk. Park was from the mountains, and they ne- he didn't see he had, he didn't he was never raised around black people. He had ne- he had heard what Mexicans were, but he had never seen anybody, and he thought that everybody who was Spanish, regardless of where where you're from in Latin America, that everybody was Mexican, and he was just an ignorant sort. And this one particular day, he got paid, and uh, he was still in his uh, military uniform, and he got pissy drunk and fell over in the embankment that ran down into a little stream or brook. And people were walking by him and just left him for just being a drunk right next to the E-Club. So I was walking to the E-Club to go and get some change and saw there's a guy in my my barracks. And I wanted to Puck? Hey, man, why are you laying down? Why did you peel you? Why didn't you go? Come on, Puck, I can tell you're drunk. Come on, man, let's go. So I helped Park to get back to the barracks. Park was so drunk that he was leaning all over me. He was a big guy, but I managed to get him up the stairs, got him to the uh, to his his uh, bunk, helped him to get some stuff out of his locker so that he could shower, 
helped him to get dressed and put him in the bed. And before he fell asleep in his drunkenness, he said something that still rings true in my ears that I heard him say to me. He said, right, though I appreciate what you did, I want you to always remember. Now, black is beautiful and gray is grand, but white is the color of the big boss man. And he rolled over and went to bed. Jesus Christ. I know, right? <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's my reaction to like, oh. Dude, yeah. dude, there were so many people you should have. You But it was, nothing in life happens by accident. Everything that happens, happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. When I saw Park the next day, Park didn't even remember our having that conversation. But before I left to go overseas, Park grabbed me by my hand and shook it and said, thank you. And he and I never talked anymore. Never. He pretended like he never knew me. But when I got ready to leave, he shook my hand and said thank you. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. If you hadn't gone to the Marine Corps, where do you think you would have gone? <clears throat> or were you, did you ever consider any other branch besides mm. the Marine Corps? Uh, that's a good one. I believe I would have... I thought about the Air Force because I had gone to Oklahoma for the summer. And I knew a lot of family members that were... But then the Army was calling at me, and I just didn't see them as having the upper echelon of class that I saw the Marine Corps had to offer or that they were a part of. And then I found out, you know, later that the Marine Corps did everything that the Army did in every every other branch of service. They flew. They uh, marched. They were the first to fight. Yeah, well, yeah, that's another one. They could go underwater. They could be, you know, and they were just made to believe. What was that that uh, belief that we used to say? We are so incredible that we can do the impossible with nothing. I thought, man, you don't hear an <laughs> army say, oh, I want in on that. I want that. I want that. But it was the, of the brainwashing, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, you when you come out of out of boot camp, you honestly believe that you can, uh, you can shit thunder, you know. So pretty much, you can run through hell and you'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, and come right back and not be scarred or scathed. Yes, that's that's right. That's the belief it gives you. Yeah, that's the belief you had going, going. What was the belief you had going to Iraq? You know, uh, if you, if you, are you able to share that? I knew that I needed to stay close to home. I knew that the MOS that I had chosen, well, not, that was chosen for me because I came in on an open contract, meant that there was a possibility that I, you know, I would come home in a body bag. So my thought was, if I'm going to go out like that, I'm going to try to take as many as I can in the enemy with me. But what I later learned on to find out was that, um, okay, so the, the, the battalion that I'm a part of has what you has a red patch on the on your cover, and it has two on the sides of your trousers. And what you do is, in the act of war, uh, Marines come into the land from off the sea in what you call waves. Mm -hmm. So the first wave has the highest casualty rate because people are picking you off left and right. But you're intermingled with everyone. But eventually what you do is you find some cover and you actually manage the logistics of being able to tell the person where the barracks is, where the hospital is, where the fuel is, where the Amtrak is, where the Jeeps are, where the commanding officer is, where you regroup and get ammo from your ammo dump, but your back is to the enemy. 
So I had an 85% casualty rate in the in the uh, MOS in which I was chosen. I thank God I never had to deal with that, but then I also ended up going to jump out of perfectly good military vehicles and planes. So I ended up joining an airborne division where you had to strap up Jeeps and tanks and put them on, load them on their C-130s and C-141s that you could drop them out the back of a plane, but then you jump out with it, then you get it prepared for the branch of the military or the Marines that actually handled that division. But all you had to do, you were concerned with the idea of getting the cargo from point A to point B for the active, uh, for the active, uh, being actively involved in combat. So eventually, before I got ready to get out, I became what you call a courier. One of those people that you get handcuffed to a briefcase or you could have something and you might not have anything and you're given a directive in which to go to a certain place, be there by a certain time and report to someone with whatever the documents were that you had. You get a debriefing and then after that, then you get relieved until your next envoy to go or do whatever you had to do. So I, I dealt with my, my MOS was basic supply and then it went from that after you got a... Uh, Another Chevron, or your your rank started to improve to go on and start to do more uh, classified things, and then to this day I still hold a uh, security clearance, and now I'm able to work for the post office as a result of that, which I have from time to time driving a uh, postal mail. So yeah, I want to ask you a question. Um, so there's, I know there's a lot of people out there who are like usually on the edge of like some want to join the military, some do not, some some like me like. We're college students. We, uh, we don't think we have the time, but we are still interested in somehow, some way, serving the country. Um, I've been looking at reserves. I mean, what advice would you give to someone like me, or just anyone who's wanting to go into the military, or or is even thinking about joining the reserves? I want you to keep in mind that uh, every country has it mandated that the men in there, uh, the young men that turn a certain age. They do it in Mexico too, don't they? Yeah. That they you do. have to, by mandate, you have to go yeah. to the service. I, I know my dad and my uncle, they both did it. They did. And yeah, but now it's almost like right here. Yeah. I think, the, I think they finally changed it. Back then, it was definitely mandatory. It was mandatory. Yeah. 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 I, I remember my dad and my uncle, they were both part of the same platoon. Yeah, they my, told me their my story. My dad did it. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So military, it runs in the family. Run, yes. But as far as on my side of the family, actually, here's an interesting story that I, I'm... I kind of want to tell you. Um, yeah, let's say this. So, I was very close to actually going to the military. Um, the reason I didn't go was actually influenced by my brother. My brother, he he was dead set to go to the military. Like, he all he did after in, in high school was just think about military. He was part of the swim team, and um, he was always talking to the military recruiters, and between those two, he was like, I want to go to the military. That was his only thing. I want to go to the military. Military. That's all he could think of. Me being a young, his younger brother of nine-year difference, when I was little, all I could think about was, I want to go into the military uh, soon after. I want to follow in his footsteps. Um, so the day came for him to sign, um, well, that that he wanted to sign, but he was underage. He still needed my parents' signature at the time. My parents were against it. They did not 
want to let him go, especially my mom, especially my dad. Because at, at the end of this point, it was around uh, 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. And I think they were sending them to, I don't remember if it was Afghanistan, but I know they were sending them overseas. Yeah, Iraq or yeah, Afghanistan. Iraq or Afghanistan. And my brother, I mean, he was kind of a little rebel also. He, he did tell my parents, like, if you don't guys don't sign it, I mean, eventually I will be 18 and I will sign it. And they didn't sign it, but that day came for him to sign it. And I still ask him about to this day, like, you were right there in the office at night because I remember that day, he, the day he left. I thought, I really thought that I wasn't going to see him for a good while. I thought he, I remember him leaving at night with my dad to go sign that paper. But he told me as soon as he got there, he just for some reason, he looked at a recruiter and said, sorry to waste all of you this time, but I will not be signing. I don't know his reason why. Even he's sometimes wonders, like, I don't know. At that moment, I just... Froze? Probably. Not not even froze. He just didn't... He, to this day, even he, do, he doesn't even know why. He's like, he, I didn't freeze. I was so sad. I don't know why. I wasn't even thinking about, like, the death or anything like that. I wasn't scared. It's was just... I think he thought about my parents at that point. Because they, for that whole month that he wanted to, them to sign the paper, I mean, all you would hear my mom was like, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go. That's all I would hear from my, from my parents. I think that's kind of one of the reasons he didn't really do it. Because my dad being on the military in Mexico, he kind of already knew what to expect, and he just didn't want that for us. So if my brother had actually joined, I even told him this, had you gone, I would have been right behind you. There's absolutely no question about it. I would have been going into, and that's why to this day I still kind of want to go. And even though he didn't go, I still kind of want to go, be a part of the reserves. How old is your brother? Um, I don't even know my brother's age. Uh, he's he's at least thirty. Uh, he's past thirty, I believe. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's still got, he can still go. He's still want. in the window, but yeah. I don't think. I think thirty five. Right, I think he's lost his moxie because I just saw another man who's in his fifties and was going back. Um. But I do want to say to you that there's an element. I believe every young man ought to go into service. I believe they ought because there's something to be learned about not only yourself, but then also, too, about what others see in themselves as a result of what you've done. Everybody puts their clothes on the same way you do, one leg at a time. However, for the character, for the camaraderie, for the team, for the esprit de corps, for the deals about just learning how to survive, I feel that every young man ought to go. Uh, however, I am aware that, like all things, it's not for everybody and everybody's not for it. However, in terms of just something that you can learn to be able to um, utilize once you've gotten out for your own personal usage, you ought every young man ought to go and you still have the opportunity to break that mold or break that chain and no one should ever live in the thought of or the realm of if out of only or what if that should never be in your conversation about life when you start to get older that I should have when you had an opportunity and you didn't partake of it there are some pros and cons in, in that but nothing beats a failure but a try and in actuality, if it's death or pain or suffering that you're worried about, 
you can get that at home. You don't even have to worry about getting that overseas. But I'm glad I've gone. I'm glad that I participated. If I had this life to do over again, I would do the same. Uh, might go to another branch of service, considering now that I know what I know. Oh, get a better contract. Uh, yeah, yeah, better contract. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. But I'm now talking to some young guys who now wish to be to work in a nuclear submarine because they have plans to uh, cross over after so many years in reserves and go to the space force once it opens. Mm-hmm. So they're they're technologically advanced that uh, they score really high on the ASVAB to be able to work in submarines un- under nuclear technology. And they have uh, they have plans to try to see how that might work in the Space Force. That sounds so weird to me. It sounds very we- weird. Yes. I, I, no, I mean, it's Air Force, but that, that's yeah. still sounds weird. Just saying Space, space Force. Force. I mean, yeah. it take, it's going to take a Maybe minute. three, four hundred years from now, that won't sound weird, but right yeah, now it's just... commonplace then, right? Yeah. But that's the same thing that the Air Force was to yeah. the Army. Because they were the Army Air Corps until uh, after World War Two. So, then, so, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. But, yeah, every I, I feel that every young man ought to go in the military for for some reason on, on its own, uh, of its own merit. Um yeah, it 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 makes them. It will make a man. It may, yeah, yeah. If not, it'll put you in a brig. But it will make. <laughs> it'll make a man out of you. It really will. It will. That that's, like I said, I still think about it. I'm, I'm. I'm not gonna tell you I'm not on the edge. I mean, there's days it's like, I, I just want to drop everything and go. There's days that I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. You need to but, have a plan if you need to go. Because uh, you need to pass a first uh, test. Um, depending on that test, the score you get that test. Is the as my my only other thing I would say to you, and I didn't really have to think about it. I'm a daredevil in the, in my own right. I like pushing things to the limit. What if or what would happen if this were to happen? And I I went in being a kid. But to be honest with you, when the embassy was blown up in Lebanon, I grew up overnight. The ship that I was aboard managed to uh, be a place of a storage locker for those to house them to identify body parts to send back to the United States and uh, body bags to be able to have for them to be given a decent burial after the embassy was blown up. And I saw guys that I was in boot camp with that were dismembered. And I didn't freak out. And I was making plans that if I could handle this this way, knowing that I had to handle people, the comrades um, that have gone on in life, that uh, I could work once I got back home to either be an undertaker or I could be a police officer. And I told my mother a little bit. And when I told her something about being an undertaker, she told me, no woman wants to be bothered with a man smelling like formaldehyde with cold, clammy hands. <laughs> so that's what made me walk away from, from mortuary science. However, uh, I do like the medical field, and it kind of positioned me for, even after all these years, to still entertain working in the medical field, which is what I'm pursuing now. Well, Major, I would like to really thank you for your service for all the years, the tours you did. Right on, man. Man, I mean... I have so much respect for you. I just want to let you know that right now. Right. I have so much respect for you. Right. And Raul, like I said, um, uh, it was an interesting experience you had. Um, <clears throat> even for you, I still have a lot of respect. Because that's something like just not that many people even think about doing 
R J O R G C. Not that many people think about doing something related to the military. And that's what I want to tell you too, before I forget this train of thought. Look at the pros and cons. If the pros outweigh the cons, nothing standing in the way but air and opportunity. And if you sit down and you write it out, some of the things that you need to consider is what would I be doing with my life? How would this benefit me? How would this benefit the people that I love and care for? There's a selfish part to that because in actuality, the people who actually make the wars don't have to serve. Their children don't have to serve. But for what you can get out of it that is of a benefit to you, you know, maybe you want to pursue the idea of school or, you know, you wanted to do something that uh, would help with with the use of your military education or advancement that it would perpetuate you to doing something uh, outside of the military. I have a sister who watched me. I'm just thinking about what you just said. I got a sister who watched me. She's still in the military. She's still, she's, <laughs> she went to the, now I went to Marine Corps. She went to the army. She's a cook, but she's a master cook that she doesn't stir a pot. And what she does is she teaches people how to, to better themselves, you know, in, in the advancement of, uh, culinary arts, but at the same time, too, she's in administration. She's at the top of her pay grade, and she's 32 years plus in the military. And quiet as this kept, not a lot of people know this, when Obama's girls come to Chicago, she still babysits them because she's also a police officer for the uh, Chicago police. Oh, yeah, so so it it has its, like I say, the pros have to outweigh the cons. And if you're afraid and you're thinking about dying, trust me, you know what? There are no guarantees in life. Some people even say, I don't want to gamble, but you need to know something. The gamble is you leaving out of your front door because there's no guarantee that you're going to come back the same way you left one day. And we all have to face that day. So, uh, yeah, those are, those are the things to consider about that. But, again, when you do it, don't do it for anybody else. Do it for yourself if you really are thinking about what you're going to do moving forward and how the military is uh, going to be there for you. It'll, it'll always be there. Um, they always need another one, but at the same time, too, you got to make sure that it's going to be of a benefit, not a detriment to you. But see, we still can thinking about it, uh, and you can get your bachelor's and then join and you be an NCO, non-commissioned officer, yeah. and you can go to office <clears throat> officer school. Office candidate school, OCS. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing about that is, too, you're not really respected. You you have to work your way up yeah. in the ranks. Yeah, any ranks, you have to earn it. And let me say this to you, too, while we're talking about that, as it pertains to minorities in the military, the Army is your best friend. The Marine Corps is not. The Air Force, be right behind it. The Navy... Yeah, I, no. I couldn't be on the water that long. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do you it. You just can't do water. I can't. You know what? I know how to swim. I'm an excellent swimmer, but I cannot picture being on a on a ship with a bunch of men that long. That's just not gonna happen in America. And I've got some <laughs> uncles that did it, but that's just not who I this am. This is not for you. No, man. No, no, no. no. I, I, I'm a land lover. I don't mind you. You fly me over somewhere. Matter of fact, I'll jump out the plane and land on it. As long as I'm on terra firma, yeah, we can work this out. Matter of fact, I'll loop around in the plane. But to be on some water with you all day, uh, no. Looking at you, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I get that because he, there's no work to run. Yeah, uh, give me that. Uh-uh. But I did see God one time. I was on an aircraft carrier, and they called everybody up topside. It was on a Sunday. I'll never forget this. And I actually saw, I felt like I saw the face of God. They put the aircraft carrier in a way that you could see that it was uh, 
they wanted everybody to to line up straight down the middle of the uh the deck mm-hmm. and they had all the sh- all the planes all below deck and they had all these guys on the front and they had turned the ship where on your right side the sun was so hot it was burning your right arm they had you to extend both your arms out and on this side it was pitch black and dark and it was raining so you were soaked from head to toe on this side and you were being burned on that on your right hand side i had never seen that before in my life on an aircraft carrier and that's a an aircraft carrier is about the size of a football field. And to yeah, see all these here. guys, yeah, to see all these guys that were out there, all of us were all young and impressionable, and it just it left a mark. So, I, you know, I, I definitely, like I said, you weigh out, I go back, I reiterate to say the same thing. Look at it to see if the pros outweigh the cons. If it does, then you nothing stands in the way but yourself. And, uh, but air and opportunity, you'd have to really take up the air. But it depends on you as a man. But never have in this life, never have any regrets. Never, never, never. Please. Well, guys, I th- think that's all the time we really have. So I really want to thank the both of y'all for just talking about your experiences, talking about your stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I really respect both of you guys, Major. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I got to know you. You're a really great person. Right on, man. Same with you. I'm gl- uh, grateful for your service. Thank you. And. For listeners, I would like to thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Stroll Nation.